Hey everyone, I'm so glad that I can join you today. Uh, we're in week three of our series that we've entitled Foundations. We're going over some foundational truths that never change. And we feel like that's really important because it seems like we're in one of the most uncertain times ever. The last couple of weeks, we've talked about the fact that Jesus is Lord. That's never going to change. That Jesus is our Savior. That's never going to change. And today, we're going to talk about the fact that the Holy Spirit is our helper. And that's great news because that's never going to change, and we need his help. I want to give you four great reasons why today. But before we jump in, I want to have a word of prayer. It's Pentecost Sunday, the day when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the disciples and the church was formed. And so it's the perfect day to talk about this, and I'm going to ask God to bless our time together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that today uh, we can talk about the Holy Spirit, how he is our helper. And Father, I pray that you will speak and move me out of the way, and Lord, you will show us things that we need to know, not only about that first Pentecost Sunday, but about what you're doing in our lives this day. Oh God, empower us, open our eyes, and show us what we need to know about you. We're grateful to be in your presence, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. Listen to what happened on Pentecost Sunday. This is when the Holy Spirit was given from Acts. This is Luke's account in Acts chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now at that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages about the wonderful things that God has done. And they stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. Well, today I'd like to help us unpack what this means. By the way, there were Jews from every nation in Jerusalem at the time because there was a big festival going on. It was the Jewish festival celebrated 50 days after Passover. That's what Pentecost means. It just means 50th day. And they were there for this festival and God arranged for the Holy Spirit to come at exactly that time so that people from all over the world could hear the good news about Jesus. They could also see for themselves that the Holy Spirit was being given. And I want to give you four reasons why that's important, because there are four important ways that are, you'll see them in this story, once I point them out, that the Holy Spirit helps us. First of all, I want to remind us that the Bible tells us that through the Holy Spirit, we have the mind of Christ. This means God can reveal things to us and we can understand his will and his ways. Without the Holy Spirit's help, we can't do that. In 1 Corinthians 2, the Apostle Paul said, The Holy Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? Well, in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And what we've received isn't the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we can understand what God has freely given us. We have the mind of Christ. Paul says, here's what's great about the Holy Spirit being poured out on us. When we have the Holy Spirit, we can understand what God thinks. Now, 
I want you to understand that that's the significance. There's a direct tie-in with the whole sound of a mighty rushing wind that happened on Pentecost Sunday. Uh, because that reminds us that God can breathe life into spiritually dead people. Now, if you're going, John, you lost me there. I'm, I'm not making this connection. Well, let me explain to you, first of all, that the word wind that's used in the New Testament in, in the, what, what was called Koine Greek in ancient Greek that word is pneuma, and you could still hear it if you get your tires checked. They could talk about pneumatic pressure, air pressure, okay? But pneuma means wind, but it also means spirit, and it also means breath. And when the early Christians would have spoken about God's spirit, they would have used that word. And when they reflected on it, it was always reflecting on the fact that God's spirit was like his breath. And it reminded them of Genesis 2 when God took Adam and formed him from the dust of the ground. Genesis 2.7 says that God then breathed life into the man's nostrils and he became a living person. When God created Adam's body, it was just a corpse until he breathed life into it. Until he went, and Adam became alive. And when the mighty rushing windstorm came, the sound of a mighty rushing wind came, it was, it was heard all over Jerusalem. People came running because this was an outpouring of God's spirit. He wasn't breathing life into, a cor into the corpse of Adam. He was breathing life into spiritually dead disciples who are now coming alive. And they'd be able to think God's thoughts together with him. In Ephesians 2, Paul says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. And by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. And it's only by God's grace that you've been saved. That's Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 5. We were spiritually dead. And when the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts, when we surrender our heart to Christ, and the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, we become spiritually alive. And for the first time ever, we can understand what God's been trying to say to us all along. Last year, I met with someone. I gave them a Bible reading plan after, they had, after we had baptized them. And they came in and they said, this is amazing. I get it. I'm reading this Bible and I get it. I understand what God is trying to say to me. This is amazing. And they just couldn't stop talking about how amazing it was. Because the Bible says, claims, Paul says that God's word is God-breathed as well. And now we can understand God's thoughts. This is why it's so important that we understand that the Holy Spirit is our helper. He helps us understand God's will. He helps us understand God's ways. We have the mind of Christ now. We're spiritually alive through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why Christians celebrate Pentecost Sunday every year on the seventh Sunday after Easter. So that's one way that the Holy Spirit helps us, it gives us the mind of Christ. Here's a second way. Through the Holy Spirit, we can also be sure that God is always with us, guiding us and protecting us. 
Jesus told his disciples before he ascended into heaven that he was going to go prepare a place for them. And when everything was ready, he was going to come get them. And then he said, I will ask the Father and he'll give you another advocate. Now that word there is a Greek word pronounced parakletos. It could be translated advocate, counselor, or helper. The broadest term is just helper. I'm going to ask the Father to send you another helper who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. And the world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later he will be in you. He's talking about Pentecost Sunday. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. Jesus said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. I don't want you just to try to follow me to the best of your abilities. When I go to prepare a place for you in heaven, I'm going to ask my heavenly father to send the Holy Spirit to you. And he won't just be with you. He'll be in you. And he'll guide you into all truth. You won't be orphans stumbling around trying to figure out life on your own. Now this is significant because the tongues of fire that appeared on the disciples' heads on that first Pentecost Sunday, they remind us that we are now temples of the Holy Spirit and that God's Spirit lives in us. All the the sound of the wind and the, the tongues of fire on the heads, these are like visual aids to help us understand what God is doing. Um, in the Old Testament times, when the Hebrews were, after they'd been rescued from slavery in Egypt and were making their way to the promised land, God commanded them to build a portable temple for their journey. Their journey took 40 years. And that portable temple uh, was a tent, uh, and it was called the tabernacle. And so they could construct it and take it down very quickly. They had this all arranged. There were hundreds and hundreds of people involved in this, but they knew exactly where to put it because when the Lord was traveling with them, the Bible tells us that some, something amazing happens. In fact, uh, this is a verse from Exodus thirteen twenty. The Lord went ahead of them and he guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire and this allowed them to travel by day or by night. So during the day, there was this pillar of cloud that would go hundreds or maybe thousands of feet into the air and would rest directly on top of the tabernacle. In fact, inside the tabernacles were the chest with the the golden chest with the Ten Commandments in it. The Ark of the Covenant was kept and the cloud would rest directly over that. But whenever the cloud would move, the Israelites knew it was time that they broke camp and so they would follow the cloud. And because it burned with fire at night, It was a giant light allowed them to travel at night. I mean, this was long, long, long before anybody had electricity. I mean, there were no chariots with headlights in those days. This was amazing. And God said, if you just follow me, I'll show you the way to go. And what's really incredible, then when they would reach their next destination and the cloud would stop, they would set up the tabernacle right underneath the cloud. If this is the cloud, they would set the tabernacle if it was a view from on top And then God had shown them how to arrange their camp north, south, east, and west so that the tabernacle was right in the middle and he would give light to them all night long. They were arranged this way so that there was a perimeter around them of safety and security. They were traveling through a terrible place with venomous snakes, no water, it was hot and arid, it was badlands. Nobody wanted to live there. And the Lord himself went with them and showed them the best places to camp. 
Well, what's so significant about this is, is that pillar of fire, the Israelites knew in the camp, if they stayed next to the pillar of fire, they would always be okay. They didn't have anything to be afraid of, even in the deepest, darkest night. Now on Pentecost Sunday, there's a small amount of flame that's appearing over each one of them. The Apostle Paul talked about this in 1 Corinthians 3.16. He said, do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? I mean, this cloud was always a reminder that the presence of God was with his people and the presence of God was in the middle of the camp. On Pentecost, we learned that the presence of God is now with his people in an unbelievably better way. The presence of God is inside of me, in the middle of me. So wherever I go, God will guide me. Wherever I go, his light will shine around me. Wherever I go, he will protect me. Hmm. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to help us. That's why Pentecost is such a big deal. It's also important to note that the tongues of fire settled on all the believers, not just a few. It would have been something if it would have just settled on just the disciples, but it was all the believers. All of them. In fact, later that day, Peter preached a sermon and he said, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. This was 800 years earlier. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And Peter said that prophecy was fulfilled today. God's spirit is now on us. We are the tabernacle. Mm. And that's why it was a sound of a mighty rushing wind. It wasn't just ah, breath going into one person. This was the Holy Spirit breathing life into lots of people. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, he'll be your helper, your advocate. Parakletos means the one who walks alongside. If you're in trouble with the law, he'll be your lawyer. If you fall down, he'll be the one to help you up. If you don't know where you're going, he'll be your guide. And that's available for you and me through the Holy Spirit. Hmm. The Holy Spirit's our helper. He helps us because he helps us understand the mind of God. He helps us because we, now we know he is always with us and he'll always guide us and protect us. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit gives us gifts and power we need to bring Jesus to the world. On that first Pentecost Sunday, the disciples, when Tongues of fire appeared above them. They all of a sudden began to speak in languages they didn't even know. And when they went out and started telling people about Jesus, they were able to explain the good news of Christ to people from all different parts of the world who'd gathered there for that Pentecost feast. And they were doing this supernaturally. Just a chapter before in Acts 1, before he descended to heaven, Ten days earlier, Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, I want you to wait and go pray. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And it was already happening now. There were people from the ends of the earth right in front of them. And God gave them the gifts and the power they needed to get it done. Now that's amazing. But the New Testament says that this is something that we shouldn't be surprised at because the disciples' supernatural ability to speak in language they'd never learned reminds us of God's great love for the whole world and his desire for people of every nation to hear the good news about Jesus. 
John 3.16 says, For God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten Son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And God gifts us with abilities we would never possess on our own and with boldness we would never have on our own through the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter, who just a few months before had been ashamed to even be identified with Christ, now stood in front of people and boldly proclaimed the gospel in languages he had never learned. Amazing. You know, when you look at the last chapter in the Bible, in the book of Revelation, the last couple of chapters in the Bible, in the book of Revelation, you see that there are people from every nation, tribe, and tongue gathered there. Because that's God's passion. And if you ever wonder, well, I don't know if I have enough courage to ever tell anybody about Jesus. Well, the Holy Spirit is our helper. He gives us courage. And he gives us spiritual gifts, too. Some of us have been able to... I, for instance, in my own in my own life, I never, I never thought I would be a pastor. I never thought I would be explaining the Bible to people. That never even occurred to me when I was a teenager that this is what I might be doing one day. But God helps me. It's why I pray every single week when I get up to speak, Lord, would you speak and move me out of the way? Because I'm counting on the Holy Spirit to help you understand the mind of Christ. I'm counting on the Holy Spirit to breathe life into people who need life. I'm counting on the Holy Spirit to empower me to make things clear to you. And he does. He's amazing. And I'm grateful that we have the helper. I'm grateful for the Holy Spirit, and I'm grateful for Pentecost Sunday. And one a fourth way that he helps us is all in this story too, because through the Holy Spirit, God transforms our character, and he makes us into godly people. Not only does he help us understand what God wants us to do, he gives us the power to do it, and he gives us the desire to do it. I mean, he's changing me through a relationship with the Lord. He is working on me every day. In Galatians 5, Paul says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And when you look at that list, you go, oh, I want those things in my life I don't know how to generate those things in my life. Well, neither do I, but that's what's so great. When you invite Christ into your heart and the Holy Spirit comes in as we mature and as we surrender every single part of our lives to the Lord, these things start to manifest themselves like fruit on a tree. And all of a sudden, I'm exhibiting joy in my life when I was never joyful before. And I have peace. And when it talks about peace, uh, the world says peace is just an absence of conflict. If you have plenty of money and nobody's sick in your house and you have no worries, then you have peace. Well, good luck with those 30 minutes when you got all that going right in your life. But for, we, for us, when we turn to the Lord and the Holy Spirit gives us peace, he gives us peace in any circumstance. I mean, the presence of God with his people was in the middle of the wilderness he made sure their shoes didn't wear out, their clothes didn't wear out. He was the one who fed them with miraculous food from heaven every day. And the Holy Spirit works in our lives to give us peace. In the same way, he manifests this in our lives. He's working on us. And all of a sudden, we'll notice it because somebody gives us a compliment. And they said, wow, you handled that really well. And no one's ever said that before. I remember the first time somebody paid me a compliment like that, where they said that I had said something really graciously 
And up until that point in my life, nobody ever told me that. They'd said I'd been way too intense. And if people know, people who know me well go, oh yeah, John Schmidt can get really intense, okay? And somebody actually told me that. And I said, wow, you handled that very graciously. And I just was ready to cry. I didn't know because, well, never mind. Uh, but the idea is that when the Lord is working in our lives, he changes us. Hmm. That's why the church that formed in Jerusalem on that Pentecost Sunday shows us what a spirit-filled community of believers can look like. Peter, Peter preached to the whole crowd. And they heard the message in their own languages. And Acts 2 tells us that those who believed what Peter said were baptized. They were added to the church that day, about 3,000 people in all. And the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. They shared meals and the Lord's Supper. They devoted themselves to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place. And they shared everything they had. And they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. And they worshiped together in the temple each day. And they met in homes for the Lord's Supper. And they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I mean, the Holy Spirit changed them into new people. Kind, gracious, giving people who loved to fellowship with people they didn't even know before that Sunday. That's what God wants to achieve in my life and yours. And I can't do that on my own. But the Holy Spirit can because he's the helper. He helps us understand God's thoughts he goes with us and guides us every day, everywhere we go. He gives us the gifts and the power we need to tell others about Christ and share Jesus with the world. And he makes us into godly people. He changes our very character. And this is why we celebrate Pentecost Sunday. It's why we never want to forget that the Holy Spirit is our helper. It's why we meditate on this during uncertain times because it's a foundational truth. No matter what we're going through, the Holy Spirit will guide us. No matter what we're going through, the Holy Spirit is working on us. Even in hard times, he's still working on our character and using every difficulty for our good. So one last life application today is this. You and I need to surrender every part of our lives to the control of the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit does all that, why wouldn't I want him involved in every single part of my life? In Galatians 5, Paul also wrote this, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature at his cross and have crucified them there. Since we're living by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. When I come to Christ and invite him into my heart, when I nail my passions, my sinful passions to the cross, when I come to the cross and surrender my life to him, that's when the Spirit indwells me. But when I surrender every part of my life, to the control of the Spirit, that's when the Spirit fills me. And so I need to do both. And if you have never surrendered your heart to Christ, the first step in understanding the Holy Spirit's work in your life, the first step in gaining the mind of Christ and God's power in your life is to come to Jesus and surrender your life to Him as your Lord and Savior. But if you and I have been Christians for a while and there's an area of our life that we have never surrendered to God and we wonder why we're not experiencing God's blessing and God's power, why we're not experiencing peace and joy in that area of our lives, well, it's because we never surrendered it. 
And today would be a great day to hand every part of our lives over to him. So I'm going to have a word of prayer on this Pentecost Sunday and ask God to do work in our lives to free us so that the Holy Spirit can accomplish whatever he wants in and through us. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, I thank you for Pentecost Sunday. I thank you for Luke writing this account in the book of Acts. I thank you that I have the mind of Christ and I can read your word and understand what you're saying to me. That I can be led by your spirit and you can prompt me to give someone a call or to give someone help or to apologize. When I was never prompted like that before, I used to just be as lost as everyone else. But now I'm found, and you found me, and you're guiding me. I thank you, Lord, that you live inside of me, and I am a temple of the Spirit. And, Lord, you will guide me in the best pathway for my life. Thank you, Lord. And you'll protect me. You'll protect me. And, Lord, I thank you that you give me the gifts and the power I need to bring Jesus to the world. You'll give me courage to speak up when I never had courage before. You will give me the gifts I need to get organized or to get clear, to be kind. Oh, Lord, you love the whole world, and you're going to work in and through me, giving me the gifts I need. And Father, I thank you that you're even transforming my character while I live in this world. And God, I want that in every part of my life. I want to surrender my time. I want to surrender my money. I want to surrender my career. I want to surrender my past. I surrender to you my future. I even surrender to you now, Lord, the way things I think, the way I think things ought to be. I want love and joy and peace to be evident through my life. Oh God, I want that. I want patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Lord, I want people to see your Holy Spirit bearing fruit in me. I hold nothing back. I want you to empower me and use me and make me like those first Christians who love to worship together, who are generous and kind and couldn't wait to fellowship. God, I want that for me. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit, for the helper. Oh, thank you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.